Today's shear is Perik Shisha Asar, Mehilchas Machalas Asuros, Chapter 16 of the Laws Concerning Forbidden Foods. Halacha Aleph, Paragraph 1. Kol Hashiurim Ha'el Shinos Nuchachamim Ladover Ha'asar Shinasarev Bemino Hamuter Bishlohoya Hadover Ha'asar Mechamets O Metavil. Oh, Dover Choshu Shu Omed Kemoshu, Lonisarev Venidma Bedover Hamuter. All of these measurements that we just gave, that were given by the sages, enumerated in the preceding chapter, for forbidden substances that get mixed up with the same kind of permitted substances, for example, in most prohibitions it's a ratio of 60 to 1, when do we say that they become neutralized? That's only when the forbidden substance itself was not something that that the substance does not act as a souring agent or a spicing agent, or when it is not a thing which has importance to it, which remains as it is and does not become mingled and dissolved in the permitted article. If, however, the thing that is mixed up, the forbidden substance, has the ability, it's a leavening agent, a souring agent, or a spicing agent, or as a thing of substance, of, of importance, of value, the smallest amount of it will render the entire mixture forbidden. The Ramam explains in the next paragraph, Halacha Beis, paragraph 2. Ketzad, how so? Sa'or shal chitin, shal truma, shanaf alotoch isas chitin shal chulin, v'yesh bo k'day l'chamet harei ha'isar kula meduma. If, let's say, leaven from wheat of the heave offering of truma, which we give to the Kohen, falls into dough of regular, ordinary wheat, and there is sufficient leaven to ferment the dough, the whole of the dough becomes the Kohen's share, because... This has the agent of making it leavened, of souring it, and therefore the whole mixture is forbidden, no matter what the ratio is. Another example the Ramam gives, Similarly, the Ramam says, if spices of truma fall into a dish of ordinary food of the same kind, and there is enough to spice the whole mixture, the whole thing becomes the possession of the Kohen. In other words, we regard the whole thing as if it is truma, and therefore it must go to the Kohen. And the Ramam adds to this, Even though if the sourdough or the spices are only one to a thousand, the same rule would apply to leaven that is taken from the mixed seeds of a vineyard which falls into dough, or spices of arla, trees that have given fruit for the first three years, which falls into a food mixture. The whole is forbidden even to derive any benefit from it, as is the law with regard to arla and klaya kerem ordinarily, and it would not become neutralized and nullified no matter what the volume is, no matter what the ratio is. Halacha Gimel, paragraph 3. The Rambam mentioned before that if the thing is important, it also be can't, can't become nullified. Now he explains. What we call before important things, significant things, that would prohibit the whole mixture if it's the same kind, no matter what the amount is, there are seven things that can be included in this category. And they are as follows. Crack nuts, pomegranates from badan, sealed jugs, young, young beech shoots, cabbage stalks, Greek pumpkins, and home-baked loaves. Halachadala, paragraph 4, which continues to discuss the preceding paragraph. Ketzad, how so? 
Rimon echad min ribonim badan shahaya arlo v'nisarif b'kam alaf min ribonim hakol asa b'hanoyim. V'chein chavi stuma shal yein arlo o shal klaya kerem shinisarif b'kam alaf min chavi stumos hakol asurim b'hanoyim. V'chein shar hashiva dvarim. If let's say a badan pomegranate, pomegranate coming from badan, which is arlo from the first three years that the tree bears fruit, and that becomes mixed with thousands of other pomegranates, the whole mixture is forbidden to even derive benefit. Likewise, if a sealed wine barrel or jug of Arla or of a vineyard of mixed seeds becomes mixed with thousands of other sealed jugs, they are all forbidden for benefit. The same rule applies to the rest of the seven articles, that if they fall into some other mixture of kosher products, but it's the same kind, the same species, the entire mixture would be forbidden no matter what the ratio is. Halacha hey, paragraph 5. Similarly, if a cut of nevela, an animal killed without shechita, or a non-kosher animal, wild beast or bird or fish that is not kosher, if any of these becomes mixed with thousands of other cuts, the whole is forbidden until that cut is removed. And only after that, after that part has been re- removed, can you proceed to apply the required proportion of 1 to 60 to what remains to make that permissible? And the reason for that you have to remove that cut is, Because if that cut is not removed, the forbidden piece of meat remains unchanged in its original state. And now it's a cut of value to the owner since he would be honored by offering it to guests. And if that's the case, then it's too important for it to lose its identity through nullification. Obviously, he can only remove that cut if he knows and recognizes it. Otherwise, this, of course, would not apply. Paragraph 6. The same rule applies to a cut of meat mixed with milk, or to a cut of ordinary animal that was slaughtered in the courtyard of the temple, since they are forbidden for benefit based on the authority on the rabbis, as will be explained in the laws concerning Shechita, therefore the smallest amount of them renders the whole mixture prohibited until they are removed. When the Ramam says they are forbidden rabbinically, he's only referring to the case of the ordinary animal slaughtered in the courtyard of the temple. But in both cases, you have to remove it because this is too significant a piece of meat for it to lose its identity. The Rambam then gives other examples. Similarly, in the case of the sinew of the thigh vein, which is cooked with other sinews or with meat, if one can identify it, he should remove it, and the remainder is then permitted, since sinews do not impart a flavor, so the rest can be permissible. However, if he cannot identify this forbidden sinew, the whole mixture is forbidden. And the reason is, since the sinew is regarded as a separate, independent entity, it is a valued article, it has significance, it has substance and importance, and the smallest amount of it would render the entire mixture forbidden. Halacha Zayin, paragraph 7. Similarly, 
All living creatures are likewise classed as valued things, important things, and do not become nullified. Consequently, if an ox which was sentenced to stoning becomes mixed with a thousand other oxen, or if a heifer whose neck has to, was to be broken in accordance with the law that applies to the case where we find a corpse and we don't know who the murderer is, the elders of the city have to cut off, break the neck of this heifer, and it is forbidden to have any benefit from it, if that becomes mixed with a thousand other heifers, or if the slaughtered bird of a leper sacrifice, which is forbidden, is mixed with a thousand birds, or the firstborn of a donkey with a thousand donkeys, all are prohibited for benefit, because they can't lose their identity. Other things, however, even if customarily sold by number, which indicates some degree of importance, are neutralized and nullified in their required proportion, 60 to 1, depending on the situation. It might be 60 to 1, 100 to 1, 200 to 1, and so on. Halacha Ches, paragraph 8. Ketzat. How so? What is an example of the above? If a bundle of vegetables from a vineyard of mixed seeds, climb, becomes intermingled with 200 other bundles, or if a esrig, a citron, of orla, the tree that bears fruit the first three years, becomes mixed with 200 other citrons, esrogim, the whole mixture is permitted and so in all similar cases. Even though there's some degree of significance because these are things that are counted, it's not significant enough for it not to lose its identity. Halacha test, paragraph 9. The Ramam says that it would appear to me that any article valued by the residents of any particular place, as cracknuts and pomegranates from Badan were valued in the land of Israel at that time, renders a mixture forbidden whatever its quantity, according to its importance in that locality at that time. The Ramam then explains, if this is so, then why is it that only these seven things are mentioned as being important? And he says, and he continues to explain, the only reason that these particular seven articles were mentioned is because the smallest quantity of them would render a mixture prohibited anywhere. However, the same ruling applies to all similar things in other localities. And it is clear that all these prohibitions are based on rabbinic law because biblically it would be nullified and neutralized even though it is significant and important. If one pomegranate from such a mixture falls in with two other badan pomegranates, and one of these three then falls in with another batch of pomegranates, these last are permitted. And the reason is, since the pomegranate of the first mixture had already become neutralized in a greater quantity. However, should a pomegranate of the first mixture fall in with a thousand others, all are forbidden. Since an article is declared neutralized in a greater quantity in order to render it permitted only if a double doubt exists, that is, if a part of the second mixture falls into another place, 
it does not render the new mixture prohibited, and so in all similar cases. But in the first case, when there's only one doubt, even though it falls in a thousand, it still is forbidden. Halacha Yudala, paragraph 11. If the nuts which were rendered forbidden because of the one nut of Arla among them, and these nuts are cracked, so they're no, it's no longer significant and important, or if the pomegranates are shredded, or if the barrels are open, or if the pumpkins cut, or the loaves sliced after they had become forbidden, they become neutralized one part to two hundred and one, because they're no longer chashuv, they're no longer of great value. Similarly, if a cut of nevela, of the forbidden meat, was minced with the other cuts, so that they are all alike, they all resemble it, it becomes neutralized in a ratio of 60 to 1. Paragraph 12. It is forbidden to crack open the nuts or shred the pomegranates or open the barrels once they have become forbidden in order to cause them to become permissible in a ratio of 201 parts because one is forbidden to neutralize a prohibited article initially and at the outset. And if a person violated this, and he did so nevertheless, he is liable to a penalty whereby the food is rendered forbidden to him, as we have explained earlier. Halacha Yud Gimel, paragraph 13. If leaven of a vineyard of mixed seeds, together with leaven of a heave offering of truma, falls into a batch of dough, and if both are sufficient when combined to leaven the dough, although when separate it could not leaven the dough, that dough is forbidden to an Israelite, to a Yisrael, but allowed and permitted to a Kohen. Similarly, if spices of truma and of klaya kerem falls into a dish, when combined, it is sufficient to flavor it, but when separate it is not, that dish is forbidden to an Israelite, a Yisrael, since it had been seasoned with articles prohibited to him, but it would be permitted to a Kohen. Halacha Yudal, paragraph 14. Tavlin shehem shnaim o min echad. Spices of one species, but of two or three different categories, or of three species, but of the same category, combine together to act as seasoning agents and would render the mixture forbidden, and the same applies to leavening agents. And the Ramam explains himself what he means by this. Kate said, how so? Since leaven of wheat and leaven of barley are both called leaven, they are regarded not as two separate species, but as one species, and are combined together in estimating the amount required to leaven a batch of wheat and dough. If the flavor of the combination is that of wheat, or a batch of barley dough, if the flavor of the combination is that of barley. 
Halachat Hezvav, paragraph 15. Shlosh Hashem is b'min echad ketzad. What is meant by one species with three categories? Kigon, karpashal naharas, v'karpashal afar, v'karpashal gina. Avot pishakol echad mehem shem b'fnei atzmo, hoil v'hein min echad mitztarfim l'tavel. For example, in the case of water parsley, meadow parsley, and garden parsley, although each of them belongs to a separate category, they are all of the same species and therefore combined together as far as seasoning is concerned. And of course, it would prohibit the mixture because it's all considered to be of one category, of one kind. Halachat Hazayim, paragraph 16. If leaven of truma or of klai hakerem of the mixture vineyard of mixed seeds falls into a batch of dough already leavened, or if seasoning of truma or of arla the first three years that a tree bears fruit, or of Kleiakerim, the mixture of seeds in the vineyard, and that seasoning of any of these examples, of these categories, falls into an already seasoned dish. Now what do we do here? It's already seasoned, it's already leavened. The Ramam explains as follows. If there is sufficient leaven to leaven the dough, had it been unleavened, or sufficient seasoning to season the dish, had it been unseasoned, then the whole is forbidden. If there is not sufficient to season or to leaven, the leavening and seasoning are neutralized according to their proportions. Truma, one part to 101. Arla, in the produce of Klayakerim, the mixture of seeds in the vineyard. The ratio that is necessary there would be one part to 201. Halachi Yudzayim, paragraph 17. Ha-truma ma'ilis ha'arla ve'sklayakerim. Truma, the heave offering, could neutralize arla and Klayakerim, the mixture of seeds in the vineyard. Ketzad, how so? Saw truma shenaf l'latisha v'sishim chulin. If one measure saw of truma falls into ninety-nine of ordinary produce, ve'achakach nafol akol chati saw shel arla shel klai hakerem, ein kan iser arla v'lo iser klai hakerem shaharei ola be'echadu masayim ve'af al pisha miktos hamasayim truma. What happens afterwards after the measure of truma falls into ninety-nine measures of ordinary food, then half a measure saw of arla or of the produce of the vineyard of mixed seeds, falls into the mixture. There's no prohibition either of Arla or of Klayakerim in this mixture. And the reason being, since they become neutralized one part to 201, even though part of the 200 consists of Truma, that does not affect the nullification process of the 201 to the 1. Halacha Yudches, paragraph 18. The same thing would apply that Arla and the Klaya Kerem, the mixture in the vineyard, neutralizes the Truma. Kate said, how so? If a hundred saw of Arla or of the produce of a vineyard of mixed seeds fall into 20,000 saw of ordinary food, the whole mixture amounting to 20,100 saw, and what happens after that? And afterwards, into every hundred measures, one measure of truma falls into it. Then everything becomes permissible. The whole mixture is permitted since the truma becomes neutralized one part to one hundred and one. 
And this is true, even though part of the hundred saw, which neutralizes the truma, consists of arla or klayakerim, the forbidden fruit because it's the first three years, or the forbidden mixture in the vineyard. As the case may be, nevertheless it is permissible because we have the right volume and ratio to neutralize the truma. Halacha Yutes, paragraph 19. The same thing would apply that Arla would neutralize the produce, the mixed produce in the vineyard, and vice versa. Also, the produce of the vineyard of mixed seeds, would neutralize and Arla neutralizes Arla. What does this mean? Kate said, How so? If 200 saw measures of Arla or of Klaya Kerem fall into 40,000 measures of ordinary food and then into each 200 saw of the mixture there falls a saw of Arla or of the produce of Klaya Kerem the whole mixture is permitted for once the prohibited article, which originally fell into it, had become neutralized, the whole mixture becomes permitted ordinary food, and therefore it can neutralize it even if that prohibition falls again into it, as the Rambam explains, that be- since when we find out about the first time it fell in, it became nullified, so it doesn't combine with a newly pr- prohibited substance that falls into it afterwards. Halachachav, paragraph 20. A garment that was dyed with dye made from the shells of Arla fruit must be burnt. If it is mixed with others, it becomes neutralized by one part to 201. Similarly, food that was cooked with the fire that was produced from the shells of Arla fruit, or bread baked with the fire that was taken from the shells of Arla fruit, or the produce of a vineyard of mixed seeds, must be burnt, since the use made of these forbidden substances is evident in these articles. If they become mixed with others, they become nullified one part to 201. Paragraph 21. Similarly, if a person has woven into a garment one seat's length of thread dyed with dye made from shells of arla fruit and does not know which thread it is, the dyed thread, the dyed thread becomes nullified one part to 201. Sit is a measurement which is the equivalent of a sixth of the span of one's five fingers spread out as wide as possible. If there is that amount of forbidden thread, then it depends on how much permissible thread we have, and it would become cancelled and neutralized in 200 to 1. If the ingredients of Arla dye become mixed with the ingredients of permitted dye, they become neutralized one part to 201. However, if it is the forbidden liquid dye that becomes mixed with permitted liquid dye, 
it becomes nullified just by the majority, that if the majority is the permissible die, then the whole thing is permissible. Halacha Chavbez, paragraph 22. If an oven is heated with shells of arla fruit, or of the produce of Klaya Kerem, the mixed seeds in the vineyard, whether the oven is new or old, it must first be cooled. And only then may the oven be reheated with permitted fuel. Because even though it is a new oven, and its completion was made possible through this forbidden shells, these forbidden shells, but once it is cooled off and heated afterwards with permissible wood, you are allowed to cook or bake. Because in this case, there are two causes, two influences that make the food edible, or the bread, make, the, make it possible to bake the bread. First of all, the oven that was completed through the prohibited wood, as well as the permissible wood. And the law is that zev zegorim is permissible, that if you have two influences, a permissible one and a forbidden one, then it is permissible. The Raman continues, If someone cooked in it before it was cooled off, whether it's bread or any other cooked food, it would be forbidden not only to eat, but even to derive any benefit from it. The reason for this, the Raman says, is since the improvement brought about in the bread or in the food, the cooked food is due to the prohibited fuel. Therefore, it follows that it should be forbidden. Now, if the person first rakes out all the fire and then cooks or bakes food in the heat of the oven, then it would be permitted. And the reason for this is, since the forbidden fuel has now disappeared, it no longer poses as an influence. Paragraph 23. If a potter fires plates, cups, or dishes, or flasks in a fire, but the fire was made with shells of arla fruit, they are forbidden even for benefit. Since it is the fuel which is forbidden for benefit that has made them into new utensils. Bread that was baked over live coals of arla wood is permitted, for once the wood has become coal, its prohibited nature has disappeared, even though the coal is still burning. A pot a dish of food that was cooked with shells of arla fruit or of klayakerim, that is the produce of mixed seeds in the vineyard, and then permitted fuel is added, the, the food mixture is forbidden, even though both fuels have contributed to its cooking. And we learned before that when there are two contributors, a permissible one and a forbidden one, the result should be permissible. So the Rambam explains, At the time that it was being cooked, and the cooking was contributed by the forbidden wood, there had not yet been the permissible wood involved in this cooking. 
Consequently, part of the cooking process has taken place through the permissible wood, but part of it through the forbidden wood. Therefore, it is not analogous to the classical case of Zev Gorim, where there are two influences that contribute equally, and therefore it would be permitted. In other cases, here it would be forbidden. Halacha Chafhei, paragraph 25. If a sapling of Arla is mixed with other saplings, or a garden bed of a vineyard of mixed seeds gets mixed up with other garden beds, one may in the first place pick from all of them. This sapling was among 200 saplings on this row a garden bed was among 200 garden beds that anything that you pick would be permissible because it is nullified in this ratio of 200 to 1 but if it was less than that anything that you collect is forbidden and the Rambam asks why is it the Rambam asks that he was permitted by the sages to pick one in the first place. Would it not have been logical to forbid the whole until one first takes the trouble to remove the prohibited sapling or garden bed? And the answer the Ramam gives is, The answer is that it is presumed that a person would not risk rendering his entire vineyard forbidden for the sake of one plant. And had he been aware of it, he surely would have removed it. The Ramam is saying, as the commentaries explain, the basis of the question, why should it be forbidden if it's mixed up? The answer is because there's always a danger that a person might do so intentionally. That the person might plant, get it mixed up, and therefore we should prohibit this nullification process as well. To which the Ramam answers that the presumption is that a person would not try to risk rendering his entire vineyard forbidden for the sake of one plant. And if he really would have known, and he was aware of it, he surely would have removed it. So we don't have to be afraid that the person might allow this to happen. If one curdles milk with a sap of unripe orla figs, or with the stomach of an animal which was offered up to idols, or the vinegar made from the forbidden libation wine. And the resulting cheese, the Rambam says, is forbidden to even have any benefit from it, even though, even though this is a case of mixing two different species, and only a negligible quantity of the forbidden factor is used. Nevertheless, it is this factor, which is recognizable, that curdles the milk into cheese, and therefore it cannot become nullified. Halacha Chav Zayin, paragraph 27. The rule is that Arla, fruit, that is the first three years that a tree bears fruit that we're discussing all along, Klai HaKerem is the produce of mixed seeds in a vineyard, they must be burnt. However, the liquids of these foods must be buried since it is impossible to burn liquids. Halacha Chav Ches, paragraph 28. If 
If the smallest quantity of forbidden libation wine is mixed with permitted wine, the whole is forbidden for even benefit, as we have explained above. However, the Ram now qualifies that. When does the foregoing apply? When one pours the permitted wine on a drop of the forbidden libation wine. However, if he pours the forbidden libation wine from a small jar into a vat of wine, should he even continue pouring all day, the libation wine becomes continuously neutralized. Every little bit that goes into the, to the for permissible wine becomes nullified in the permissible wine. However, the Ramam says, if he had poured the wine from a large jug or a barrel, whether he pours from the permissible into the forbidden, or from the forbidden into the permissible, in either case, the entire mixture is forbidden, because the flow that descends from a barrel is a very large flow, and therefore it cannot be neutralized. Allah Chavtes, paragraph 29. If undefined non-Jewish wine, that is wine that was not poured for libation, but as we learned earlier, the fact that a non-Jew has touched it, has used it, would render it forbidden as well. And that wine becomes mixed with permitted wine. The smallest quantity renders the mixture forbidden consumption. One cannot drink that wine, and one should sell it to a non-Jew, deduct the value of the forbidden wine, and cast it in the Dead Sea. Afterwards, he may derive benefit from the remainder of the money. Similarly, if a jug of forbidden libation wine becomes mixed with jugs of permitted wine, the whole is forbidden for consumption, but allowed for benefit. So what does one do? So the Rambam explains. One should therefore upon take the value of that jug to the Dead Sea after selling the entire mixture to an Anjou. And the Rambam then concludes, The same thing would apply to a jug or a barrel of the undefined non-Jewish wine. The same law that we just said, when it gets mixed up with permissible barrels, you have to take the value of that barrel, barrel and throw it into the Dead Sea. You cannot derive benefit from that one barrel. Allah Lamed, paragraph 30. If water is mixed with wine, or vice versa, it depends upon whether it imparts a flavor, since it is mixed with a different species. This is min, bishe'enomino, two different species, and we learned before, it depends on the taste. When does the foregoing apply if the permissible liquid falls into the forbidden liquid? However, if the forbidden liquid falls into permissible liquid, then it, it is continuously neutralized. As we learned before, that every second, every little bit of the flow becomes nullified and neutralized, and the next flow becomes nullified and neutralized. However, this is only true, the Rambam says, if he was pouring from a very small flask and it was only descending a little bit at a time so it can become neutralized. 
The Raman referred earlier to forbidden water. How could it be forbidden? How can water be forbidden? And the Raman gives an example. For example, if it was served as an idol, or it was used in idolatrous offerings. In either case, it would be forbidden. Paragraph 31. If a pitcher of wine falls into a vat of wine and subsequently the libation wine falls into the mixture, then the permitted wine should be regarded as though it were not there and the water which fell in should be estimated against the forbidden libation wine. If it would have neutralized the flavor of that wine, and the water overwhelms and neutralizes it, and the whole mixture is then permissible. Paragraph 32. If the forbidden libation wine falls on grapes, all you have to do is rinse them off, and they are permitted to consume, to eat. If they were cracked, now, if the grapes are split open, they have cracks, as we said before, then it depends. If the wine, whether it's old or new, does impart a flavor to the grapes, then they're forbidden to even have any benefit from them. If not, if they don't impart a flavor, we may drink or eat these grapes. They are not forbidden even to eat. If the forbidden libation wine falls upon figs, they are permitted, since wine spoils the flavor of figs. If the forbidden libation wine falls on wheat, they are forbidden to eat, but you can have benefit from them. But you should not sell it to a non-Jew, lest he might then go back and resell it to a Jew. So what does one do? One grinds this wheat and makes it into bread and then sells it to a non-Jew, not in the presence of a Jew. Why, why do we do it that way? So the Ramam explains. Because a Jew will not buy it from the non-Jew because the bread of a non-Jew is forbidden. That guarantees that a Jew will not take it because he would not buy non-Jewish bread. As will be explained subsequently. The question could be asked, the Ramam raises, why don't we examine the taste of the wheat to see whether it has the taste of wine or not? And the answer is, because, he says, wheat absorbs and the wine is swallowed up by it. What the Ramam means by that is, that the taste is blended with the taste of the wheat and you can't really determine whether it has been affected by the wine or not. That's how Radvaz explains the Ramam's words. If the forbidden libation wine becomes fermented and falls into fermented beer, in this case it's considered to be two things of the same kind. They're both fermented vinegar. 
The smallest quantity of it renders the mixture forbidden, since it is of the same species, both being vinegar. The yain shin asarev imachometz. Bein shinofa chometz liyain. Bein shinofa yain lachometz. Mishayin osa benosin tam. If wine becomes mixed with vinegar, whether the vinegar falls into the wine or vice versa, an estimate should be made as to whether a flavor has been imparted. If the flavor is there, then it's forbidden. Otherwise, it is permissible. With this, the Raman concludes, Perik Tezayin, the Hilchos Machalos Asuros, chapter 16 of the laws concerning forbidden foods.